This is the Improviser podcast and what follows is a conversation with the musician John Edwards and I hope you can bear with the sound quality as we talked in the doghouse in Kennington in South London. Yeah, I'm here with John, oh God, yeah. here with John Edwards. Does. We're in the doghouse in yeah. Kennington. John, there's loads of things written about you. So oh I just no. wanted to... I know, but I talked by people on the World Wide Web. By the world so, internet. So oh. I want to introduce you. John Edwards has become a mainstay of the London scene. He's become a regular player with Evan Parker in many groupings and with Tony Bevan, Varian Weston and Elton Dean often in collaboration with Mark Sanders on percussion. He's become a more frequent player on the European and festival scene, appearing all over Europe, New Zealand and the USA. So welcome, John Edwards, to the Improviser podcast. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Hutch. That's very nice. So um, Uh, we're talking festivals in Europe and this eclectic course festival in London, SE1, the 26th to the 28th of January. And you're going to be playing with John Butcher, in a duo, and the band The Remote Viewers. So just wondering, like, how you first met those musicians. Oh, OK. Well, the, actually, it would be a trio okay. uh, with John Butcher and Mark Sanders. Oh, okay. uh, and that trio is quite a recent trio, only maybe a year or so since we've played as a trio. But, of course, the three of us have been playing together in other combinations as duos or in yeah. other outfits for years and years, you know, uh, with Mark... I think the first time we played would have been in 1988 or 89. And John, probably since 95 or 4 or something okay. like that. Yeah, probably 94. Mm. So quite quite a while, actually. But you've never actually just done but, a trio? Well, really? the trio, we, we I think it was sometime last year, in 2017, the, the, the first time we... We certainly recorded last year. So we got a record out and we've done a couple of gigs and it's, uh, yeah, it's working beautifully. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a long-standing thing. But with the remote viewers, uh, that goes back with the captain, Dave Petz. That goes back to 1988. I guess I knew him before that, but um, there used to be a group called Bishops for the Poor, right. um, which was uh, three or four saxophones, double bass, guitar, um, computer, rhythm tracks. And stuff. Okay. Anyway, that was quite some outfit. So I've known the captain since then, and... Um, that's 30 years. Wow. And I know, when I just started playing the bass, and uh, yeah, the, his music kind of stays exactly the same. Right. But the personnel changes now. His music does evolve, <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. And this is the latest sort of incarnation. Right. Of it. There's, there's, I think it's a sextet. Yeah, it's a sextet with Mark, on, Mark Sanders on drums, myself, the four saxophones, okay. plus... Uh, well, there's going to be some special things happening oh, wow. for this festival. Okay, yes, uh, there is. We don't know. Well, should I? I mean, I know a little bit about it. I mean, I know the compositions. So, there's, so yeah, this is interesting. So this yeah. is more the experimental side rather than the improvising side with, with uh, the remote viewers because these are compositions. These are definitely yes. compositions. Okay. Yeah, the captain writes. He, right. He's always okay. written music. Yes. And um, I think the thing with, with what he's always done the, the most one of the most interesting things is the uh, I suppose it's like a tension between that written stuff yeah. and the and the freedom of improvisation. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes for quite a ch- quite often quite challenging to play right. and quite challenging to listen to. Okay. Uh, 
But when it works, it comes off. It's quite a strong mix. It's really quite something because it it it, it needs a lot of discipline right. to play the stuff. Um, which I would say is the same with improvising as well. Okay. It, a lot of, you know, it demands a lot of, of discipline. And so in a way, the, the two sides are the same coin for me. Really. Right. Uh, and the captain's, you know, his compositions go some way to, to make that happen. So. an excerpt from Last Man in Europe, a track from an album of the same name by the Remote Viewers Trio, which is Dave Petz, Adrian Northover and John Edwards. And now back to John and I at the Doghouse. How did you start playing? I used to make music long before I played the double bass, long, long okay. time ago. When I was a young teenager, I'd write little songs on a, okay. a two-string uh, ukulele then I there was my brother had an electric bass a little while after and I started to muck around on that 
And then I started to, you know, make music with tape recorders and then got reel-to-reel machine and and a friend of mine, we'd, we'd muck around with sounds and make tape loops and yeah. all kinds of stuff just to, I don't yeah. know, we, we were into sound. And um, probably by the time I was about 18, I, I started to play the electric bass. Right. And I think around, you know, th- at that time, it all became... Well, before that, I mean, all my life I'd been a visual artist. That was the right. thing. I yeah, was you went to doing. art school. I yeah, read, yeah, yeah. I read that also. Oh, wow, I did a bit of research because you don't have well, your I... own website, so you just no. sort of go into this whole uh, world. Yeah. Which is, see, yeah, then some things are weird. And... Yeah, so you went to art college and studied visual art. Well, I, did, I, did, I always, always did visual art. That's what I always right. did. Okay. And when I went to college, I started to get into um, filmmaking, in right. fact. And so I did a couple of years of that. Like mainly with super or standard eight and super eight and oh, okay. sometimes sixteen mil, uh, but during that time I was also, of course, I was the sound dealing with sound for the film, mm-hmm. and as I was already wild about music, that was kind of like my whole life since I was about twelve. Music yeah. and um, making soundtracks for the films yes. or whatever, making recorders, it kind of took over, and somewhere along the line there came a point where. I'd be making music even though there was no films to make music for and doing the sound or music or whatever. That became the most important thing, you know, and uh, and eventually, and that's where I'm still at, you know. I mean, the thing is, I played the electric bass and I was in a couple of bands and stuff like that, but I I used to use all kinds of percussion and, you know, make, um, prepare what people, you know, I didn't know what things were called, what uh, improvisation, I wouldn't have known the word when I was 18 or prepared instruments, you know. But yeah. I, that's what I, I think, what like, like a lot of people would do, yeah. did do. You know, a lot of people would muck around with things and stick, you know, uh, pencils between strings and, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I was using lots of stuff, different stuff. And I, I think with a double bass, I kind of, I'd hear it. I would hear it on jazz records and, and somehow with all the different music that I was listening to and into, you know, con- classical and, and, and uh, traditional folk music and, and jazz, it, it's like I, I could hear that the bass might might be the thing that could do it all. Right, okay. Uh, yes, kind of ah. Thought, you know, in a, oh, I see what you're in, a, in a really excited way at the age yeah. of 21 or 22. Or so. Anyway, and then when my nan died, back right. then she left me a few hundred quid and I bought a bass and, okay. and that was it. And the thing is, is once I got the bass, the double bass, then that was it. I kind of stopped bothering about film music I stopped bothering about making recordings I just played the bass I played and played and played and played the bass (laughs) and that's the way it still is almost because there's a lot of visual artists I mean I don't know if that's a thing but there's lots of Mm. people who are on the scene who seem to have a kind of art school background is that Mm. something that Mm. you've noticed or totally of course yeah there's a long tradition of that yeah. For sure, there, there always has been. Um, I don't know whether that... I wonder if that might be changing a bit as we go along now in that the, the, now there, there are colleges and universities right. you know, thinking of the students that are coming down for this, this Yes, festival. of course, yeah. And, and there are... From really, Goldsmiths, right, especially. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's mood. long-established, you know... Mm. I mean, I'm not obviously not for classical. I'm not talking about classical mm. music, you know, conservatories. But, but in the last 15 or 20 years, certainly 15 years, 10 years, uh, the jazz 
courses up and down the country, Birmingham, Leeds, you know, Trinity, uh, which also have some tutors that go in that maybe do are improvising musicians right. as well. You know, okay. I mean, uh, try to open the students yes. up to other ways of playing and dealing with with sound. I'm actually sort of you know genuinely interested in asking people mm. like how mm. they you know especially in London mm. how they think it's kind of changed. Yeah, you know, you know I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that the first improvised music gig, inverted commas, that I went to would, would have been in 83, 1983. Okay. When a friend of mine took, took me to a concert, and I knew nothing about it, and it was kind of wild and crazy. I, I kept the ticket, and years later I realised that, oh, it was Evan and um, Bar Phillips. And there were maybe a year it took me to kind of refine some of those names and start to go to gigs in London improvised music and um, there was a lot more kind of or would have thought of that you know free jazz right uh, and you know the way these things sort of evolve I mean things don't change and then there's new people and they do something different or it's I don't know it's all the same but it's a lovely kind of yeah ever evolving melting sort of pop yes you know, nice. yeah, yeah. and it, it carries on and, and I would say like the early mid 80s it still seemed to me like very much a kind of jazz very obvious obviously a jazz based thing where right. you could see where the free improvisation free improvisation yes. on the whole almost everywhere had come from and actually people like Eddie Prevo as you mentioned yes. you know he was really kind of interesting because he would definitely you know you would identify him back then and and 20 years before in the mid late 60s as mm. He's not playing, you know, that AMM, they were not playing jazz. They, they're mm. more connected with the class, contemporary classical yeah, music. Yeah, okay, yeah. So really quite interesting. Of course, the really great musicians, you know, um, hard to sort of pin down. Yeah. Evan, and Barry, I mean, these people, Derek, they're not playing jazz. They, but they they have that really strong connection to it. Mm. But I mean, I think now, uh, 15 years ago, 10 yes. years ago, 15 years ago, you come into a London improvised scene yeah. and you might... I think you would find then that there's really not so much jazz. The influence of jazz is not so strong. Yeah, the exactly. people playing it, yeah. many people come from the noise scene or from, you know, and just sort of find connections where they, um, yeah. or sound art, sound even, exactly, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 electronics. Yeah. And now I kind of find that there's more and more people that are that have been to jazz school. Again, oh. it didn't used to be jazz school back no, in, you know, 40 yeah, yeah. years ago, 50 years ago. But now there's jazz school and people that are playing improvised music, there's more and more people that are very obviously coming from a jazz sort of aesthetic or tradition. Oh. Or, you know. And are they younger people? Yeah, or? this is like, you know, right, this pe- is the younger newer faces. Right, new that okay. you know. yeah. And that's kind of, well, I find it weird. <laughs> right. And it's great, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, but, but as a whole... Thing, the way that I'm seeing it, it's, it's cyclical and yeah. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, sorry, there's, there's some a noise lot of people. I know. Back. I keep. There's I keep a lot hearing. of people. They're all coming in. They're all. They've heard. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming for the, the horse festival. They're coming to the horse festival. Plugging. Are you playing? Are you, are I'm going to play. Are you on the? I'm playing with the Paradise Yard Ensemble. Uh huh. Who's that? Um, 
which is Sue Lynch's ensemble. Yeah. We talk about your inspirations of the past and present. You said, quote, everything inspires musically. And mm. I had to scrip that out. I bet it does everybody. But you were saying that first it was the 50s and 60s pop music, then people like Lowell Coxall in the late 80s and Bruce Turner. So, yes. When I was at art college, um, Hounslow Borough College, and Lowell used to come and play solos quite frequently in the lunch they used to do these lunchtime concerts and like most people i had no idea about i'd never heard of improvised music so i didn't know about it um, but law would be there he'd come down he'd go into the sort of this little lunchtime bit and he'd be playing soprano saxophone solos completely mad you know beautiful beautiful and for 16 70 year old kids who were just into punk rock yeah, or yeah. whatever, you know, whatever they're into. And it's just amazing, completely incredible. Wow. Totally inspiring, beautiful, lovely lol. Which I, I mean, I never went and spoke to him at that time. It was years later yeah. when I met lol as, as a player. And, and then it came back to me. I, I just hadn't remembered. And then you said, wow. that, you said that now everything, now almost everything inspires me. Quote. I was feeling good. <laughs> Maybe I was good. just just about to play. Yeah, but well, I mean, why not? It must do. It must do. Every, it's yeah. true, isn't it? It's it true. Be, it must be for everybody. I don't think it's. This is a track from an album called Last Dream of the Morning by John Butcher, Mark Sanders, and John Edwards. And this trio is going to be at the Eclectic Horse Festival in London uh, next weekend. And this track is called Lucid. Thank you. 
that you've heard anyone well so it might just be someone who's who you've seen at so, a concert yeah so yeah, yeah. things at concerts that's it uh now you know what i'd like to say christabel, christabel. there you go christabel. Yes. you know christabel yeah she's i don't know amazing. christabel's second name yeah uh, christabel riley christabel riley the drummer yeah. there you go i love what she's doing and and i think i mean you know everybody's different but for me Certainly the way that I, or a huge part of how I respond to musicians and what they're playing and how it is, it's like, it's almost as though I don't care really how it sounds, but how it feels. Yeah. And I mean, it's not yeah. true. I mean, you know, of course I care, because I spend my life, you know, every day of my life dealing with how it sounds, what I do, you yeah. know, going into the detail of, of but, but at its core, at the real heart of it all, music, Mm. It's not just how it sounds, you know. It's not a surface thing. It's yeah. not. It's like there's there's other stuff underneath, which that's you know. There you mm. go. You go with no, your, sound, your yeah. instincts and your experience and the, yeah. all that. And Christabel, yes. as well as people like I really, you know, to, I'd have to hear what she's doing, yes. and, and I get a great feeling about yeah. about where she's at. I mean, I guess I mentioned Christabel because yeah. she's going to be. On this festival as well. And she's playing with Remote yeah, Views. Oh, yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah, that. She's great. Yeah, have you played with her? Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Let's say about London and Europe in terms of your experience of improvised music, experimental music, gigs and the audiences. And do you think it might change? In London, 30 years ago, very, very, very common that I would go, when I was going to a lot of improvised mm. gigs before I played, bass, before I played double bass. Yeah. And then once I started, and you know, I'd go to a lot of the gigs. And so many of them really were that, this sort of classic, this sort of cliched, funny idea of, oh, it's free jazz or free improvised music. And there's like two old men with beards and staring at their pints. Right. You know, yeah. And no one else is there. Yeah. Oh my God. And zooming forward to now where you know, one of the most, I guess the most regular haunt for improvised music yeah. or experimental music is the Café Otto. Yes. Um, which has been going eight years now, mm. or nine years, eight years. Let's say, I mean, hell, yeah. compared to what it was, yes, it's it like was. the most yeah. uh, sort of mixed and egalitarian. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, you know, it's completely different. Yeah. And uh, abroad, I mean, you know, I spend most of my gigs are abroad, you yeah. know, for the last some years now. All around the place, and 
Is that mainly... Well, it's Europe? mainly Europe. Yeah. Mainly Europe. Uh, but, you know, further afield. Yeah. You know. And has that changed? Uh, I think... I think it has, yeah. I think it has. Mm. Uh, if I think back to mid-80s mm. in Britain and the audience, which was really, like, almost always just men, mm. and now the auto, well, it's some women. And yes, it's all still skewed in everything to do with music and the world and politics and job opportunities yes. and the way kids are brought up and educated. You know, it, like I spend a lot of time in Scandinavia and Norway and mm. you know, Sweden and stuff. And, and a lot of women musicians that I keep coming across that I haven't heard before. Right. And it's great. There's still more men. It's still skewed. Yeah. You know, it's and a you, thing. But yeah. boy, oh boy. There's actually, there is a oh, lot. I, I love it because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's the fact that you still notice if there's a, a festival where there's, wow, maybe a third of the players that night or half of the players are women, mm. like anyway, or a gig, just a gig. It's like, wow, it's all women. This is, you notice it right. and it's great. It feels great and it's good. Um, when we don't notice it, then we know we're okay and it's, right. and everything's yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe well, things are interesting. Fine. But, um, but that that seems like a really positive thing. And do you think the sizes of audiences have changed? I mean, are there, is there more interest or is it kind there of... There is, I think there yeah. is. Okay. I don't, I don't The Café Otto, most of the time, mm. there's a good audience. Yeah. But from when I came in yeah. to improvise music, yeah. let's say, you know, the mid-80s, right. I think there are more people now open to it than then. There was. That's now, maybe if you went to the mid-60s, you know, 67, 68... And I know by talking with some of our friends and yeah. colleagues, you know, who were playing then, uh, I mean, they, they had to, it's the same old stuff, you know, there's no mm. funding and there's no interest and it's not commercial music, the things that we're doing, yeah. it's not like that. But some, in some ways, people say, yeah, yeah, but they, and you can imagine, you can see from the history books and from looking at and listening to things, you know, how there was maybe a really good crossover of yeah. and People were very eager to, artists would go to music and pop musicians would be going to free jazz concerts sometimes to check it out. And uh, that's yeah. quite rare. You can't imagine that much now. No, right. So things are different, but, but in between the 80s, mid 80s, mm. it's like, oof. I think now it's much better, much better. What aspirations do you have for future projects? Have you got anything? I mean, you know, you've talked about your base. Oh, I know, yeah. Possibly. There's a whole bunch of groups, of course, and people Mm. that I'm working with, Mm. groups that are quite new or groups that are old that I, you know, I, I I want more work for. At the moment, I'm really wrapped up with the bass. I've been meaning to do some re- just solo recording again. Fantastic. Uh, that's the next thing. Beautiful microphone, mm. or microphones, but also maybe one or two of these pickups which are doing particular things. You're looking forward to the Eclectic Horse Festival? I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, that's okay. soon. It's yes. soon? January. It is January the 26th to the 28th so of the January. So 27th and 28th. Yeah. Can you tell us? Them. Oh, no, you don't need to do that for this, do you? No, no. What can I tell? No, I can say who's on, but... You're on the Saturday, the 27th. Ah, yeah. 
and the remote viewers are also on the Saturday, the 27th of January mm. at Eclectic. Mm. Um, so book your tickets. There'll be links. There'll be links on this to everyone who can. It's going to be wild. It's going to be, be really good. Wild. I mean, you know, with the captain stuff, the, the the harmonies, the musical phrases, maybe there might even be melody. By the time we get the compositions, they've yes. been put into surveillance, and then you know you, we have to, we have to make them live, of course. That's come it. alive. They've got to come alive. And but it's this thing about the, you know holding it and getting these compositions, getting them right, and getting them to live and breathe and do their thing. And and yet with eight, maybe ten students that are going to be involved in this thing as well. Yeah. This is like, it's a bit of a wild card. Yes. And the, the captain's never, that's never happened to any of his music, I don't think, before. Right, I'm, so it's going sure. to be so interesting. And, you know, he's giving up, in a way, he's going to be giving up a lot of the control, very disciplined music. Yeah. But, of course, he gets people like us to play it. Yeah. Um, so we do, you know, we, we maybe rip it apart and turn it into something. But then with all these these people that don't know him and mm. the students, and they, ah, this, this is exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, I, exciting. I'm really, really, really intrigued to know how that, you know, what's, what's going to come out no. of that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So I just want to thank John Edwards for doing this podcast, the Improviser podcast, and come and see him play at the Eclectic Horse Festival. Um, and there'll be a link on this to that. Thank you so much, John. Well, thank you, Hutch. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.